Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we complete the first book of Kings, that is the first half of the book of Kings, uh, as we complete chapter 22. The, um, remember the book of Kings is really one book, it's just divided for convenience purposes into one and two, but it's still something to be proud of, that we've, um, we're, when we complete today's study, we will have finished the entire first book. We left in the last podcast at the um, end of a very strange encounter between the two kings, that is the king Yehoshaphat of Yehuda and the king of uh, King Ahav of the of Israel of the northern kingdom, both together forming an alliance and about to go to war together <coughs> against Aram, led by Ben Hadad. They had asked the uh, prophets and all of. Ahav's psychophantic prophets told him what he wanted to hear, which was, you're going to go and be victorious. And Michayahu came and said the truth that you may be victorious, but you, Ahav, will meet your death. And Ahav was angry at Michayahu because he told him what he didn't want to hear. And he put uh, Michayahu in, in prison. At this point, we're about to read verse 29. And the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Yehuda of Judah, went up to Ramot Gilad where the battle was going to take place, where Ben-Hadad was amassing his forces to fight the people of Israel. The, um, the interesting thing, this alliance between Jehoshaphat and Ahav is something worth thinking about because we finally see what <coughs> seems to be the potential uh, rapprochement or the potential um, uh, reunification of the kingdom here. If Yehoshaphat and Ahab can somehow work out a way to work together, eventually they might be able to bring together what was once the United Kingdom. And presumably this was Yehoshaphat's intent. But we are constantly and repeatedly shown how Yehoshaphat was, a, was loyal to God, was faithful to God, and Ahab was anything but. Um, and Yehoshaphat apparently, one would imagine, took a calculated risk, assuming that it was worth the risk of associating with an evil person like Ahav in order to achieve unity. And is this a good thing or a bad thing? I'm not going to answer this question easily, and neither will these verses answer this question, but it will leave us wondering. One thing is clear. We were given a positive presentation of Ovadyahu, the Navi, the prophet, who was for him for staying in Ahav's house despite the depravity, and that and we were shown how he achieved a tremendous salvation. He, achieved, he saved 500 prophets from the wrath of Ahav and Izebel, and he accomplished great things. And we see how Eliyahu was somewhat chastised for not taking that approach, for taking the approach of not associating with an evil person. However, there is a, a difference between the two. And the, one of the main differences, a, the job of a prophet is the job to rebuke the people and bring them close. And that means no matter how far they went, you have to engage them in order to bring them back. What is the job of a politician, really, the king, Yehoshaphat? Is it his job to associate himself with Ahab in order to bring out unity? Or is it his job to say, I would love to bring about unity, but I can't bring about unity with someone like Ahab who will end up bringing 
terrible influence to the people of Judah who will end up making it hard to continue the worship of God and keeping idol worship and so on out of, out of Yehuda. As we will see later in history, this, um, uh, this marriage, which actually became a marriage between the, child, the children of Yehoshaphat and Ahav, ended up leading to a tremendous problems in Yehuda later on. And we'll get there as we study the second book of Kings. So this is something to think about. So on the one hand, we feel somewhat hopeful. On the other hand, we worry about Yehoshaphat and his decisions. Is this a good decision or not? The, uh, the verses that we're reading now clearly present Yehoshaphat as a righteous man. But nonetheless, he decided to go to war besides, uh, uh, and disregard the warnings of Michayahu. And uh, the Abarbanel points out that Yehoshaphat was never instructed not to go to war. Uh, and he wasn't the one who was told that he was going to kill. And he get, 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 get killed. It was Ahav. And it was Ahav's. Uh, so he was never quite um, told by Michayo, don't go to war. He's, you're going to win, right? But Ahav will meet his end. Vayomer Melech Yisrael al Yehoshaphat. This is page 30. Uh, uh, verse, uh, verse 30. Uh, Pasuk Lamed. So the king Ahav is trying to figure out a way to circumvent the, the prediction of the prophet. So he decides on a trick. He says to Yehoshaphat, I will get dressed up in costume. I'll dress like a regular soldier as opposed to dressing like the king. And that's how I will go to war. But you can dress like the king. This is almost like, this is quite condescending and worse than that. I don't even know the right word for that. Because he's really putting Yehoshaphat in a position where people will think that Yehoshaphat is the king and that, and that um, they will go after him. And, but Yehoshaphat nonetheless agrees to this plan. So the king of Israel goes in, in, uh, in a disguise and comes to battle like that. So he's thinking, well, they said the king is going to die, but that won't be me because they're not going to know that I'm the king. Umelach Aram, and the king of Aram, that's Ben-Hadad, <coughs> he put out a command to the officers that were in charge of his chariots. Shloshim Bushnaim, he had 32 officers in charge of his groups of chariots. Lamar as follows. Don't bother waging war against the big people and the little people. Don't seek out all the big challenging warriors of the Israelites. Don't try to wipe out the, the foot soldiers. However, your goal should be Ki'im et Melech Yisrael Abado. I want you to kill the king of Israel himself. Now on the surface, this is remarkable because the king of Israel was the one who saved his life. He, and if anything, he should have gratitude to the king of Israel. Remember, it wasn't long ago that the king of Israel had, um, Achav had Ben-Hadad surrounded. He was, he was taking uh, refuge in in a, in, a, in a house, uh, being chased down. His armies were decimated by the people of Israel, <coughs> and Ahab nonetheless spared his life. So on the surface, it seems quite surprising that he should have such a vendetta against the king. However, if one digs a little bit below the surface, it's not surprising at all. Because people like Ben-Hadad, narcissists like Ben-Hadad, can't stand having someone around who, to whom they owe anything they don't want you know it's it's such a a harm to their ego to know that the only reason why they're alive and the only reason why they're still a king and the only reason why they're still powerful is because of Ahav so the hatred that he has to Ahav much 
significantly overwhelms any shred of gratitude that he might have. He needs to get rid of Ahav so that people cannot think that he owes his greatness to Ahav. He has to be great because he's the greatest. And if you think about the psychology of the way people like this work, it makes a lot of sense because that's the way uh, narcissistic, dictatorial, megalomaniacs think. Um, so they can't owe their, uh, their ascent to power to anyone else except themselves and their own perceived self-greatness. So this is verse 32. So when the officers that, that were leading the, uh, the chariots saw Yehoshaphat, um, and they said, oh, he must be the king of Israel. So they immediately charged towards him. And Yehoshaphat called out because he was, he was worried, of course, they were coming after him. <coughs> However, immediately as he called out, as soon as they saw that he is not the king of Israel, they turned around. Now, exactly what it was that they saw that indicated that he was not the king of Israel is unclear. One interesting way of understanding it, but many of the commentaries and Chazal say is, well, he called out to God. Who <laughs> Ahav is not the kind of guy to call out to God. He moved to call out to, to Baal or something else. Or it could be that it was his language and his speech that he could tell, they could tell. As we know from other places, there were already different dialects of, of Hebrew being spoken in the north and the south, and they were able to tell from the way he spoke. Or maybe they recognized his voice as Yehoshaphat, which is unlikely in days before um, internet connections and, and uh, cable news. So, um, but regardless, it was evident from, from his call, from Yehoshaphat's reaction, that he was not Ahav. So they turned around. So verse 34, And there was a guy, so a soldier on the side of the Arameans, who at war, he pulled back his bow to shoot at the uh, Israelites because he was a soldier and he was just happened to be shooting at towards the Israelites. And it just so happened by Akad Melech Israel, and that arrow struck the king of Israel, Achav Ben Hadvakim, between the layers of, of his uh, armor, between the, um, the uh, plates of the armor, um, you know, uh, and he said, so the king says to the one who was riding his chariot, um, turn, turn around and take me out of the, of the formation, <coughs> of the camp formation, because I have been wounded, I am hurt. So he turned out, and then the battle raged um, as the uh, soldiers were, were, were fighting with each other and the two formations uh, came, uh, came into each other. And the king, Ahav, and obviously most of his soldiers knew that he was the king, stood, and the, the verses purposely uh, portraying Ahav in a valiant, heroic way Despite his injury, he stood up and faced Aram to show that I'm still fighting, I'm still leading. However, despite standing that way and standing to, to the last moment leading his troops, he still died in the evening. And the blood from his wound <coughs> flowed down into the um, chariot, into the uh, area within the chariot where the, his blood collected. And the uh, shout, the announcement went out among the camp, 
as the sun came down, Lamar as follows, Ish Elirova, Ish Elato. Everyone return to your cities, return to your land. Um, the battle is over. And the king died, and they brought his body to Shomron, and they buried him in Shomron, which is the capital of Israel. There's not a lot of detail here as to who won the battle. One gets the sense that there was some sort of victory here on the part of the people of Israel, but not necessarily a resounding victory. But one gets the more important sense that it really, we really don't care. That's really not important. What's important is what happened. And that is that Achav was wounded. Despite his wounds, his mortal wound, he stood and led the people to the last moment. And nonetheless, he died. And now, because his chariot was, the royal chariot was full of blood, they rinsed it out at the pool of Shomron. And the dogs licked up his blood. And the, uh, the prostitutes uh, washed themselves. Apparently, they washed themselves in that pool. Like the word of God had, that had been spoken. Now, we, we read about the word of God saying that his blood would be licked by dogs. This thing about the prostitutes um, is something else, just another way of showing how um, demeaned uh, he was at the end, how he was killed in battle. Now, um, it's interesting how the verses portray Achav as, as a hero, as someone who fighted to the end but nonetheless deserve to suffer this ignominious fate, this fate of someone who's, whose blood is licked by the dogs because of his, dis although he may have been a heroic leader in battle, which is presented as a positive thing, overall, his, uh, his, um, the way he led his people and the way he led them away from God and his treachery against God, against the prophets of God, against the worship of God, and against the fundamental purpose of the people of Israel, was something that was is never going to be excused. The Yeser Divrei Achav and the um, all the other things about Achav, and all of the things that he did, and if you want to read about his ivory home that he built, some sort of a house that he built out of ivory, and all of the cities that he built, that's not the purpose here. If you want to read about them, go ahead and read in the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel, you can read all about it. And Achav passed on and, and laid with his fathers. And Achazyohu, his son, ruled after him. <coughs> so that was the end of the career of Achav. And as usual, uh, the writer of the Book of Kings, doesn't. it's not a book of history. It wanted to portray the important characteristics of these leaders so that we can either learn from them from the good parts or learn from them you know what they did wrong and how to not follow in those paths verse 41 Yehoshaphat ben Asa Yehoshaphat who we were introduced to was the son of Asa Malach al-Yehuda he was the king over Yehuda he became king in the fourth year of the reign of Achav when he was appointed king, he was 35 years old. He ruled for 25 years. He was a king in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Azuva, but Shilchi was Azuva, <coughs> the daughter of Shilchi. Um, so, so it's giving so that we can reference and understand, uh, uh, you know. Um, where Yehoshaphat stood in the 
chronology of the kings of Israel and each one compared to each other. And he went on the paths of his father Asa. He did not turn from that path to do what was proper in the eyes of God. However, no one's perfect. <coughs> Despite his, his path, which was to do what was proper in the eyes of God, he did not take away the bamot. The bamot are the high places, the shrines. They were shrines, they're understood to be shrines dedicated to God. However, God had instructed the people only to bring sacrifices and worship at the temple alone. But still, the people continued, even under Yehoshaphat, to have their parallel temples scattered around the countryside. The people were still bringing sacrifices and incense on those on, uh, uh, that were offered at those special shrines. <coughs> um, despite, and Yehoshaphat allowed that practice to continue, despite God's explicit instructions not to do that. And Yehoshaphat had made peace with the king of Israel, which we had just witnessed in the story before. Is this good or bad? Let's see. We don't know. The verses aren't really going to deal with that here. It's going to deal with that in a lot more detail in the book of Chronicles, which we will, God willing, study after we finish the book of Kings. By Ashleim Yoshafat, we just read, and all the words, if you want to read all about the things that Yoshafat did, and his might, Asher Asah, in the battles that he fought. You're welcome to go read the Chronicles and the Annals of the Kings of Judah, and you can read what you need to read there. Who was a holy person, who was a good king, a righteous king, had still allowed some of this occultic uh, prostitution continue, but he, Be'er Menaretz, Yoshafat, got rid of that. So Yoshafat advanced the godliness and morality farther than his father who was also a righteous person but he moved it even farther moved the needle a little more in the right direction these next several verses are kind of interesting as to why they're thrown in over here because we're not really clear as to why they're thrown in but um, uh, but because the, the details are left out to there's more details in the book of Chronicles but this is what we say Melach ein ve'edom nitzav melach and at this time, there was no actual, or at least there was no independent king in Edom. Now, Edom had been conquered by David. And for the generations after David, it was a vassal st state um, to Judah. So there was no independent king. <coughs> but rather, there was a Nitzav. There was a, um, an appointed governor of, over the Edomites who paid tribute to the people of Judah. Um, and that's just a fact that happened to still exist in Yehoshaphat's time. As Yehoshaphat's descendants left the path of God and went in the wrong direction, they lost their, um, their power over Edom, and Edom became independent and became an enemy again. But that's to happen later. Uh, that's not mentioned here. But during Yehoshaphat's day, there was no king in Edom. It was still a vassal to Judah. Verse 49, Yehoshaphat, that's, so that's just like a little reference. Why it throws that out here is unclear, but it's just something to remember, like a little note, uh, something to remember about Yosefat's reign. Yosefat also, and you know, something else to remember about his reign was that he made Aniot Tarshish, Tarshish ships, which seems to mean some kind of style of sailing ship vessel, Lolechet Ophir Lazav, for the purpose of traveling to Ophir in order to obtain gold. 
but they did not go because the ships broke down at Etzion Gavar. So he never managed to launch these ships. So that's an unsuccessful part of Yoshafat's reign, again, which we'll learn more detail about later in Divrei Hayamim. But here it's just reminding us of this unfortunate episode in Yoshafat's life. Az Amar ben Yoshafat, and at that time, Ahaziahu, who was the son of Ahav, who we learned took over from his father Ahav in the north, he said to Yehoshaphat, Let's do it together. Let's make a navy together. But Yehoshaphat did not want that to happen, did not let that happen. Again, more details later. And, and in Divrei Yaman, we'll read about how Yehoshaphat was criticized by the prophet to, uh, for his, for his um, alliance with the north and because the north was full of uh, wicked people. But uh, here it deliberately leaves out that commentary. Um, uh, and Yehoshaphat died and laid with his forefathers. And he was buried with his ancestors in the city of David, Aviv, David his ancestor. And his son Yehoram took over as king after him. And Achazio, the son of Achav, he was the king over Israel in Shomron. In the, and he became king in the 17th year of Yehoshaphat's reign. Yehoshaphat, the king of Judah. And he was the king over Israel for two years. And he did evil in the eyes of God. And he followed in the path of his father and his mother. And in the path of the first king of Israel, Yeravam, the son of Nevat, that he led the people of Israel on the wrong and sinful path. And he worshipped the Baal, and he made God angry in all the ways that his father had done. So this concludes the first book of Kings, chapter 22, with the death of Yehoshaphat um, who passes on the uh, kingdom to his son Yehoram <coughs> we don't know Yehoram what kind of life he will lead yet but we'll find out and how Ahaziahu um, and, and how Yehoshaphat was um, a, a, a righteous king and how he although he, may, he made a couple of mistakes but he was a righteous king he tried to bring out unity Ahaziah, the son of Ahav, also passes on and, um, and is buried and, uh, as we'll learn later, handed over the um, kingdom to the next uh, in line for Ahav. So this concludes the first book of Kings. Thank you so much for studying this together with me. Looking forward to studying the second book of Kings and have a wonderful day.